A podcast we'd like you to check out is Two Girls, One Film. Amelia, the loser, and Rose, who made me call her that, watch one film and discuss said film as well as other non-related topics. Cocktails are involved. You can find Two Girls, One Film on SoundCloud. Just look for Two Girls, One Film. When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. Wanted in 14 counties of this state, the condemned is found guilty of crimes of murder, armed robbery of citizens, state banks, and post offices, the theft of sacred objects, arson in a state prison, perjury, bigamy, deserting his wife and children, inciting prostitution, kidnapping, extortion, receiving stolen goods, selling stolen goods, passing counterfeit money, and contrary to the laws of this state, the condemned is guilty of reviewing classic movies to see if they deserve their reputations, whether said reputations are good or bad. Therefore, according to the powers vested in us, we sentence the accused before us, Stephen Benedicto Pacifico Juan Barreras Ramirez Shives, known as the Rat, and any other aliases he might have, to hang by the neck until dead. May God have mercy on his soul. Proceed. <laughs> That explains the show, right? That sums it up pretty pretty neatly, I think. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Guess what happened this time around? We've been reviewing a lot of movies that we didn't like, right, Steve? Yeah, a few. <laughs> a few. And as per usual, when we review a movie that we really don't like, we go running back to a movie that we know we like and that we hope on a rewatch that it holds up. <laughs> we hope this- we still like it. This movie has really, really made us afraid of all of our favorites. Because <laughs> we're like, I love that movie, and we're afraid, oh god, what if it's not good? Hopefully that didn't happen this time around, right, Steve? Yeah, it's one of the, the, the hazards of the job, you know? Yeah. This time, we reviewed a movie to see whether it holds up, holds up to its reputation of being good or bad, and the movie that we watched is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Ow, ow, Oh, God. I, I will readily admit, I was kind of getting sick of that sting. <laughs> yeah, they use it a few times. They use it to punctuate dialogue. <laughs> I want a milk. Wow, wow, wow. Camera pushes into an extreme close-up. <laughs> and then cuts away to a wide shot right before he drinks the milk. And then it cuts to his hand holding the glass of milk. It cuts to his eyes. Then it cuts down to his yes. feet. Then it cuts to a guy across the bar looking at him. And then finally, Um, 20 minutes later, he takes his first sip. Cuts over to Quentin Tarantino, feverishly taking notes. (laughs) This is great. This is great. Um, Yeah, we decided we're going to do a Western, just like we told you guys we were going to do. And just in case you guys haven't seen The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, spoilers, right, Steve? Oh, yes, I would imagine so. Yeah. We're going to tell you which one is which. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you ready for the who made it and where the hell did this come from? I'm ready to hear you pronounce all these Italian names. Oh, God, I was really afraid <laughs> that they would... Okay, you got to be on standby, dude, because you read Italian <laughs> names better than me. Okay. All right. Uh, the original title of this, mil- this movie was Il Buono, Il Bruto, Il Cattivo, which yeah. was the good, the ugly, and the bad. Um, it was directed by Sergio Leone, produced by Alberto Grimaldi, screenplay by Agi. I think my notes are cut off. Agi, Agi, are you Aginore? Agi and Scarpelli? Is that really what it says? 
I think, yeah, actually, they're credited as Age and Scarpelli. Their names Agge are... Age and Scarpelli, okay. Yeah. Uh, Luciano Vincenzoni and Sergio Leone <laughs> with Sergio Donati, who was uncredited. The English version was by Mickey Knox. Oh, I'm going to hold on to that name like a life preserver. <laughs> Regular <Story>. American name. <laughs> Story by Luciano Vincenzoni and Sergio Leone. And it stars Clint Eastwood, Lee Van Cleef, Aldo Guilfrey. Yeah, that's close. Guilfrey. Yeah, Guilfrey, sure. Mario Brega, Eli Wallach, and Ennio... Oh, sorry. Music by Ennio Marcone. Cinematography by Tony Nodellicoli. Edited by Eugenio Albiso and Nino Baragli. Production company, Produzione Europe Associate. <laughs> Drown in here. <laughs> also, Arturo Gonzalez, Produzione Cine- Cinematografisas. Constantine Films and United Artists. It was distributed in Italy by the PEA and in the United States and the UK by United Artists. It was released on December 15th, 1966 in Italy. Running time, 161 minutes. Box budget was $1.2 million and the box office was $25 million. So we made this money. You got any trivia or any stuff we want to cover before we go in to recap on the plot? Uh, just I always thought it was cool that for all three of these of of the movies in this trilogy, the because mm-hmm. they had an international cast, the yeah. the actors would say their lines in whatever their native language was, mm-hmm. and then it would be dubbed over for which for the English release or the Italian release or whatever. I just thought that yeah, was cool. The easy way. Yeah. Yeah. It's not cool. <laughs> I mean, it's not, but it is. You know, you have like. He's saying his lines in Italian, and Eastwood is saying his lines in English, and it yeah. just... It, I mean, it, it's a credit to their acting ability. Yeah. I have no idea what he said. Just say this line after his lips stop moving. Got it. Okay. Thankfully, these are sparsely written with dialogue. Exactly. All right. I would also like to point out that although this is considered a Clint Eastwood movie, guess who has the most screen time in this? Not Clint Eastwood. No. 1960s Joe Pesci, Eli Wallach. Yeah. Tuco. Tuco. You do not understand, Tuco. My favorite character. (laughs) He's quite a character. Yeah. All right. You ready? Let's do it. Ready to do this? Let's do it. Okay, let's let's jump in the time machine and go back to a gritty, grammy, violent, awful period of American history. Um, It's New Mexico, right? Yeah, New Mexico. (laughs) Where the Confederates are fighting the Union and where guys are running around shooting the faces off everybody for money and contracts and stuff. Yeah. Let's go back to the... Revisionist? It's not revisionist. Deconstructed Western. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And he's not really that ugly. No. There's a couple of times where he's actually kind of attractive. He's not a bad-looking guy. If he showed up with, like, a, you know, to my house and he was, like, dating a relative, I'd be like, yeah. he's a nice guy. He's kind of neat. I think it was kind of the situation where somebody had to be the ugly. And, I mean, I think at, comparatively... Yeah, look at the other two. Yeah, look at the other two. Although, Lee Van Cleef is like a fox in a human costume. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. There's like a snake. He's like a ba- a human bag full of snakes. He's not. He's evil. He's definitely not the good one. <laughs> he it should have been the good, the horrendously evil, and the moderately attractive. Well, yeah, it's like with Lee Van Cleef when he has that shot where the title comes on screen and says "the bad." You're like, yeah. I know. <laughs> it should have been written slowly and shakily because the person was afraid of him. <laughs> and he should have looked down at it and then looked at the camera and then they would have erased it. <laughs> In other words, it should have been like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Exactly. <laughs> All movies should be like Bugs Bunny cartoons. Sergio Leone should have shot this landmark spaghetti western like a Bugs Bunny Could you cartoon. imagine Sergio Leone directing a Bugs Bunny oh. cartoon? <laughs> Where Bugs Bunny turns the gun on Elmer Fudd and it blows his face off and then Elmer doesn't get up. <laughs> he lights us he strikes a match on his hip and lights a cigar and just walks you know, out. he lights a carrot oh there you perfect perfect let's do the movie shall we let's do it <laughs> okay steve take it away okay well after the credits which are highly stylized in, oh my in, god <laughs> as was the style at the time because animation remem- is not Sergio Leone's forte <laughs> but remember we, we often forget when we talk about this movie because it's it's a, it's set in the old west but this is definitely a movie of the 60s oh yeah and, this- and the, the only thing I learned from the opening titles is that someone really hates horses yeah <laughs> to the point which they're destroying them with cannon fire <laughs> and the last one takes three whole shots shots to kill. Yeah, they really hated that horse. Um, but we, we after the credits, we, we open with... Uh, An ugly dude's face. Yeah, a really... <laughs> a, one, what What is sort of a, a signature Leone shot where oh, yeah. you see the, the subject, this this guy in extreme close-up, just kind of slides in from the side and it's like, yep. hi, face. <laughs> <laughs> what you looking at? Yeah. And then he reverse shots and he lets us see that it's, you know, this little someplace in bumfuck montana or something yeah yeah and there are there are two other guys here mm-hmm. and at first it looks like there's going to be a showdown because there's between the two of them yeah because yeah. they're sort of facing each other and they they're walking towards each other but then that's not what happens what happens is they walk into this barber shop or whatever it is and we hear a bunch of shooting yep and then one guy who is not one of the guys who went into the building comes crashing Ooh. through a window yeah and we freeze frame on him and this is our man Eli Wallach Tuco, a- Tuco and we get a little title at the bottom of the screen that identifies him as the ugly mm-hmm. so now we know who one of the people is and he goes racing off yeah he runs for it mm-hmm. yeah. I would also like to point out that uh, not only does in this opening scene sequence does Leone show off as far as the cinematography goes he also shows off that he can tell a compelling narrative because there's no dialogue mm-hmm. for the first ten and a half minutes of this movie No, between anybody and he tells a story that sucks you in relatively quickly and he doesn't insult your intelligence by over explaining things no and he shows that he establishes in that first scene especially that it's that while it's going to be familiar it's not necessarily going to be predictable because Mm-mm. he subverts expectations a couple of times there where for, with the music yeah yeah. Lots of stuff. Yeah, we're... because we cut immediately to a little homestead in bumfuck New Mexico, <laughs> and this little kid who's riding, doing the most fun thing in the world, which is riding a donkey around in a circle to pump water. I guess. Yeah, yeah. And he sees a rider coming, and the musical flourish would indicate that maybe this is a hero or a yeah, good guy. Yeah, maybe Shane is coming back finally. Yeah, um, I would like to point out that the uh, musicians are lying to you. <laughs> yeah, d- do- hardcore. <laughs> Do not trust the musicians. Do not trust the score in this movie. 
because death has come to bumfuck bumfuck New Mexico, yes. and that it, is who, Steve? That is uh, Angel Eyes, yeah, Angel played Eyes. by the redoubtable Lee Van Cleef, the aforementioned oh, yeah. human fox. <laughs> <laughs> or human bag full of snakes. Human bag Take full of snakes. <laughs> yeah, and he walks into the uh, the house on this yeah. property, and, and the, the man of the house, the owner, the farmer, I guess, is sitting there getting ready to eat. Yeah, eat dinner, and Angel Eyes is going to make the dinner hour real uncomfortable. Yeah, Angel Eyes is going to come in and, and have a scene that Quentin Tarantino will then rip off <laughs> many, Several multiple times. times. Yeah, where he, <laughs> he sits down across the table from the other guy, and he helps himself to a plate yeah. of food. Christoph Waltz walks in and asks if there are any Jews hiding yeah. in, in the homestead. Has a, <laughs> has a glass of milk, you know. Samuel L. Jackson comes in, and he's escorting a prisoner, and, you know, it's just, it becomes a free-for-all. It's, yeah, it's pretty much, it's pretty much you know, the opening scene from, you know, four or five of the films of <laughs> Tarantino's Tarantino. films. And, uh, but this is the original. And, yeah. and uh, Angel Eyes, it turns out, is here because he's looking for a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is who is who he's been hunting for a while, and now he's going under a different name. Yeah, and he's been hired by a dude named Baker. Yeah, yeah. To get this information out of Stevens, the guy who's sitting the, at the guy table. who's sitting there, and he wants to know because trying to eat while not peeing his pants. <laughs> and and Stevens accidentally gives away more information than Angel Eyes has at first, because Angel Eyes has apparently just been sent here to to get a name, to get a name. and in giving him the name, Stevens also. Also says something about uh, a, a hidden stash of gold. Yeah, Confederate gold. Yeah, and Angel Eyes is like, oh, really? You don't say. A whole bunch of gold, huh? Yeah, and then uh, uh, Stevens gets up, goes gets some more money, gives him a thousand dollars. Yeah, and he's like, "Hey, uh, why don't you go and kill Baker? Here's a thousand dollars. He's only paying you five hundred to kill me." And what does Angel Eyes have to say to that? He he says, "Well, the thing is, when I've been hired to do a job, I always do the job. That's kind of my thing." Yeah. But thanks for the extra thousand dollars. And yeah. by, oh, by the way, he gets the name. The name, the guy that Stevens tells him the name, which is Bill Carson. Bill Carson. The person that he's looking for is now going under the name Bill Carson. So there can only be one Bill Carson in all of the West. It's yeah, it's pretty a pretty uncommon name, you would think. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so he takes the the thousand dollars that that uh, Stevens offered to pay him. And yeah, well, you know, he gets he kills he kills Stevens. He kills him. And uh, he goes, hey, thanks for the gold, and thanks for offering me a job to kill Baker. Uh, I gotta go now, but <laughs> I... first I'm gonna kill your oldest son. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, is only fair. He comes running in. Mm-hmm. With, a, with a shotgun. Yeah, so... I can't believe you said it. It's only fair. You know, he, he halves this family <laughs> before leaving. Eats their food, yeah. and then kills half kills of the family half of them. before he leaves. <laughs> leaves. <laughs> goes back, he goes back to Baker, the guy who hired him. Who's sick in bed. Yeah, who isn't doing too well. And he walks no. in and he says, hey, Baker, I got good news. I, I went to see that guy, <laughs> and he told me that the guy you're looking for is uh, Bill Carson. So yeah, there but you I go. got some uh, bad news. <laughs> I got a new job. Here, eat this pillow and have some bullets for dessert. <laughs> yeah, boy. And you can tell that he got paid more for this one than the last one because he shoots this guy like three or four times. I mean, he kills the hell oh, out of yeah. him. Oh, yeah. And I can't imagine that way back in the 1960s when people saw that scene, they peed a little or threw up. Yeah. Because that's a, that's a real violent... I mean, he kills the fuck yeah, out of him. Yeah, he's standing like two feet away and he just, you know... While smiling. Yeah. So, and that's when we get the uh, the identifying title for this guy who is, yeah. if we hadn't guessed yet, the bad. 
Yeah, he's he's bad. And he has now he has two key pieces of information that will drive the plot, not only for him but for the other two main characters. Which is he's looking. It'll kind of drive the plot. We gotta take a little break though. Well, but um, he's but we now know that he's looking for a guy named Bill Carson who has a whole bunch of gold. Right. So yeah. Mm -hmm. And now we meet. uh, Well, we 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 check back in with Tuco. Who is yeah. who is running through the desert and on a horse with no name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Felt good to get out of the rain, and he gets cornered <laughs> by some some guys who are yeah. who are after him. Bounty hunters. Yeah, they they have a, a poster with his face on it, and they're like, "Hey, mm-hmm. it's you. You're worth uh, two thousand dollars." Yeah, and. Uh, but they don't. They don't get to to cash in the bounty though. Why? Because Clint Eastwood is standing right out of frame where they can't That's see it. him. Apparently, uh-huh. <laughs> and he, uh, Leone does this a lot, yeah. which is you know he. It makes sense because he uses the character's perspective rather than you know cutting away to show he came out from behind a rock or he right. came out. A lot of other directors have used this style before. There's another, later on in the movie, they're walking along and just like like 10 feet, there's an entire union encampment. Yeah. It's like, how come they didn't hear them or see them? Yeah, it's because if it's not in the frame, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Yeah, it's one of the, mo- it's one of the more distinctive stylistic elements of the mm-hmm. movie, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Clint Eastwood, who is referred to throughout the movie as Blondie, mm-hmm. uh, is he, shows up and he takes care of these bounty hunters quickly, and, quickly as he mm-hmm. does typically in the movie. Um, yeah. And then he gets uh, Tuco mm-hmm. and throws him over his horse, right? Rides him into town. Tuco's yeah, cuss- rides him a, rides him into bumfuck junction. <laughs> Tuco's cussing him the whole way, mm-hmm. just complaining, you know, yelling at him, and huh. uh, he takes Blondie takes him into town, dumps him on yeah. the front porch of the sheriff's office. Yeah, and the sheriffs are like, oh, goody. <laughs> we we going to have us a hanging. I was saying it was a little too boring around here. Although no one talks that way in the movie, so I don't know why we're no. we're, we're doing southern accents. It's, no one has a southern accent in this movie. <laughs> it's because we're bigoted against western characters. <laughs> Everyone talks pretty much like this because it's all dubbed. Yeah, exactly. They they, they speak very crisply and very clearly. <laughs> and gruff. And a little gruff. Yeah, very But, yeah. I mean, there's no, like, stereotypical southern accent. No, no. But so, so Blondie gets his bounty and yeah. apparently... You know, rides off, rides out of town, leaves Tuco to face justice. Yeah, and he's got a. He's getting hanged. He's, he's getting a, got a rope. Yeah, around he's, his neck. he's on a he's on the back of a horse. They're gonna yeah. do it the old West way. They're gonna read yeah. out the list of charges against him, and then swat the horse on the ass, and he's gonna. You know, get hanged for all the bad stuff he done. Yeah, but what happens? Blondie's still there. Oh, what is Blondie doing? He's, Does he just want to watch this guy die? Yeah, exactly. What kind of sick guy is this? <laughs> I just wanted to see it. Uh, <laughs> he's hiding, and he's got his rifle up. He's not hiding. He's right there. He's standing at the top of a barn. Every anyone but, who bothers to look up can see him. But nobody's looking up. Oh, okay. Nobody sees him. All right. And He's like Batman of the old west. Exactly. If you if you turn your head just so, you can see him standing right there, but nobody ever does that. So he's right. he's perfectly camouflaged and uh-huh. he 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 lifts his rifle and right as they're about to uh, to knock the horse out from under Tuco and hang him Blondie fires a single shot that cuts right through the rope and right. frees him and the horse uh-huh. gallops and the horse takes off yeah and Blondie turns around and which oh by the way is the first time that Eli Wallach's life was endangered in the filming of this movie <laughs> yeah don't worry Eli we're gonna have you on top of a horse with your hands tied <laughs> <laughs> and a noose around your neck a noose around your neck and the horse is just gonna run the fuck out into the desert <laughs> it'll be a great shot trust me 
<laughs> and then what does he do? He shoots off the hats of everybody around him. Yeah, he shoots all the hats off of everybody, and mm-hmm. then he jumps on his horse and rides away. No, it was all a scam. Yeah. It was a con, because they meet up later, and they split the take. Exactly. Since it was worth 2000 they get 1000 each. They're just like Billy Bob Thornton and Tony Cox in Bad Santa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And now, of course, now the we we get the, the scam is now that since he's since he's you know escaped his execution and he's still a wanted man, the bounty is going to be even more next time. The bounty is yeah, going to be exactly. three thousand. Three thousand. Yeah. So yeah. So they decide to repeat the scam, but in a different town. This time in Bumfuck Bluffs. <laughs> And while they're there, who else is there? Angel Eyes is there. What is he doing? What is he doing? He's getting he's getting info from oh, Shorty. That's right. Like, you call a person who's lost both of his legs, who's hopping around like ET, and he's got he's just getting information from him. That's right, because Shorty tells him that Ben Carson is in the army, or Bill Carson, Ben Bill Carson, yeah. Ben Carson ain't in the army. What what division he's in, and yeah. who he hangs out with, and where he's going, and exactly. all this other stuff. Because you know, Shorty's got his ear to the ground. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh, that's hateful. <laughs> he gets money. <laughs> he gets money. Oh, I'm hateful. That's why the movie had him immediately, as soon as he got all of his money, go directly into the bar, and you yes. can hear him say, Give me whiskey! Exactly. Like within- This man literally... Okay, this is not a special effect. This man has no legs. Yeah. <laughs> He hops How into long the did they have to look for that? Yeah. Or was it a ha- was it by accident? Did, was there a casting call? Was there a casting call needed? Man with no legs for Shorty. <laughs> or was the character named Shorty and they were trying to cast short people and then they, this guy comes in with no legs and Leona was like, yep, you're it, done. <laughs> we're not going to find somebody shorter than him, I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> um. So... Uh, So, yeah, so Angel Eyes is there while Tuco is being hanged again. Hanged again. Different charges this time, did you notice? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's he's getting into a carriage, uh, Angel Eyes, he's getting into a carriage with a woman, and he and Angel Eyes notices that Blondie is nearby. Yeah. And he and he and the woman have some sort of an exchange where it's revealed that Angel Eyes can tell what's going on, you know. He says yeah. he says, "Oh, you know, that uh that guy has uh, a guardian angel looking after him. A blonde angel is looking out for him." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then they try to redo the same scam that they did before, but what happens? It does, well, it doesn't quite work this time. Uh No. <laughs> Tuco ends up hanging a little bit. <laughs> yeah, cuz this time uh Blondie is hiding on top of his horse right next to the hanging. <laughs> <laughs> He could just reach over and cut it if he really wanted to, but no, he's got to yeah, show off. He shoots the rope, but it only nicks it. Yeah. Horse takes off, and now Tuco starts to strangle only for about a three quarters of a second. Yeah, but still, that's a long time. Because if you thought hitting a rope with a bullet from a hundred yards away was difficult, this time he manages to cut the rope with the bullet as it's moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just a damn good shot. And then he shoots off all everybody's hats. Tuco runs after him because he uh, Blondie takes off. They get on the horse. And they ride out into the desert. Right. Yeah, yeah, and then Blondie comes to a decision. Yeah, he's going to end their bromance. Yeah, he says, look, because uh, well, they, they had mentioned it earlier, where Blondie talked about maybe taking a larger cut for himself, because he's the one yeah, who yeah. shoots the rope, and Tuco is like, well, I'm the one who's getting hanged, so... Right. No. So fuck you. <laughs> yeah. So so this time, uh, Blondie says, "Well, I got a I got a different split to propose for you." Uh, yeah. See, I don't think you're ever going to be worth more than than three thousand dollars to go. So uh, I'm going to abandon you here in the desert. Bye. Yeah. He says, oh, and I'm not giving you any of your money." <laughs> he says, "I'll take the money. I'll leave you with the rope." 
Mm-hmm. Now, I'd like to point out that Clint Eastwood is the good. Yes, in this, and that, right? this and that's where we see him identified as the good after he leaves Tuco in the desert with nothing. <laughs> they say, and this is the good now, one. The movie should probably have a clarification. It should be the good parentheses as compared to the other characters in the movie. Exactly. End parentheses. <laughs> exactly. He's the not... bad. Horribly evil that will give you nightmares, and the ugly, not actually ugly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very much a relative concept. He's not what you would call good in any real meaningful sense. Yeah. He's just now, not as bad as This movie actually had different titles. Uh, this, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly was proposed by Leone when he was trying to get distribution rights, and they liked it. It was brought up as a joke. <laughs> it was not the original title of the film. I think it was something like The Two Rascals or something like that. <laughs> something really just dippy. <laughs> Even more dollars. <laughs> 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 okay, so uh, what happens? He uh, oh, we have to cut because Angel Eyes has tracked down the only female character with dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yep, who is a prostitute that knows uh, Bill Carson. Yeah, and Angel Eyes proceeds to beat the shit out of her to get information from her. He is the bad. He is the bad. So I'd like to r- remind everyone that this is the 1960s. It's an Italian film. <laughs> What were you expecting? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> there are other women in the movie, but they know this is not a, a this. You're not going to find an empowered female character no. in the 1960s in a Sergio Leone film. Well, and I mean, even in other spaghetti westerns, even in the ones that are relatively more politically progressive than this one, the women are all prostitutes. I mean, it's just the almost universally, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you can't handle that, why the fuck are you watching the movie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, watch a more modern Western. Like, well, no, they're all prostitutes no, and unforgiven, all, too. Oh, yeah. darn it. Oh, well. Uh, oh, wait, wait, what's his name made a movie? Uh, 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 Sam Raimi made a Western. Uh, like a cartoon Western. <laughs> what was it called? High Noon? I can't remember it. It featured Sharon Stone was the gunfighter. Oh, oh, oh. Was that... Uh, the? That's Gene Hackman. Yeah, The Quick and the Dead. Yeah, with Gene Hackman as, and Sharon Stone. As Shorty 2, reprising his character from Unforgiven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, watch that one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, actually, that movie has a lot of people in it. A lot of really good oh, people. Oh, yeah, it's it. a really, it's, it's. I mean, it's not like a, a great movie, but it's a really interesting it's, movie. It's it's so corny, yeah. and it's so, it's a Sam Raimi film. Yeah. <laughs> so if you can picture Sam Raimi making a Western, yeah, you pretty much, yeah, that's what exactly what it is. <laughs> You've got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gary Sinise is in that. Yeah, it's yeah. The cast is really cool in that movie. <laughs> um, where are we? Yeah. Oh, somewhere in the bumfuck desert, Angel Eyes gets info from. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we, that's that's after Tuco. Tuco somehow makes it manages. Into, yeah, he makes to it make into it back town. To town. Yeah, and and he goes shopping. <laughs> kind of. He gets himself a gun. Yeah. Well, he kind of makes himself one. He. Yeah, he t- disassembles a gun. This poor shopkeeper who was closing shop. He comes in and he shows him all the pistols and he disassembles some of the guns and puts together and makes a new gun, right? Because he's creative. Well, it, it kind of demonstrates without us having to be fucking told <laughs> that Tuco knows how to shoot and knows a lot about firearms. Right, because he's very exacting in choosing and, his perfect yeah. gun, yeah. And he goes back into the back because they have a, a firing range in the back and he tests the gun and he destroys the three targets and then he gets a hat and then he robs the shopkeeper. <laughs> but he, In a nice way. Yeah, he doesn't kill him. He very easily would have the killed him. The shopkeeper is maybe my second favorite character in the movie. <laughs> 
And I would like to point out that that, move, that whole scene was unscripted. Really? Um, Sergio Leone allowed Wallach to come up with the stuff that they were going to do in that scene. Wallach doesn't know anything about guns either. But he's like, hey, this is what I want to do. And then he, they did all that stuff and they pasted it out and they shot it. It's, it's, I think that scene, and I know we're kind of jumping ahead to our review, but that scene kind of clearly demonstrates how strong of a director Sergio Leone is and how strong of a performer Eli Wallach is. Oh, definitely. It's one of the best scenes in the whole movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um... Let's see. Well, and then is... Oh, and then he... he, Remember, now we get him... He has to go get gang members. (gasps) Yes, that's right. And his voice somehow aged 40 years. Wow. That's that's what happens when you misplace the audio from your movie from the '60s, <laughs> and then they decide forty years later to well, put it back no, in. The cut, I think the cut. Ha- yeah, I guess so, huh? They put it back in. They didn't find the audio when this movie got restored. They put in the scenes that they had cut out from the American release, and then they got Clint Eastwood and Eli Wallach to come back and do the voices. They sound a little bit older. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Except for Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he always kind of sounds like that. Um, and since uh, Lee Van Cleef was very dead, <laughs> they replaced him with a cartoony voice that you would hear on a He-Man cartoon show. <laughs> it was the voice of King Randor, I believe, who uh, <laughs> who dubbed Angel Eyes' dialogue. <laughs> Um, but he shows up to his gang members and he bribes them with chicken. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and he does, and then, doesn't he promise... Uh, to sp- like to split the money with him, he he's the, the, he he doesn't know about the money. Well, no, yet. not the not the gold, but he he, he says doesn't he say something about four thousand dollars? He's gonna something like and, that. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna get four thousand dollars and he'll split it with them, you know, equally like they're his brothers. Right, right, yeah. right. And so Tugo goes back into town, and Blondie is up in a hotel room, right? Yeah. And he's uh, putting together his gun. Yeah. And he uses his uh, cowboy sense because <laughs> he knows that two of the dudes are sneaking up to the hotel door. Yeah. And he has to hurriedly put his gun together. Although he doesn't do it, he still takes his he, time to make sure it's done correctly. He knows he has plenty of time. Yeah, yeah. But he's looking at the door. You see the door. Cut to the hallway. The guys are coming in, and you're like, "Holy shit! What's gonna happen?" <laughs> <laughs> What happened, Steve? They well, he kills him. He does his oh, yeah. he does his patented pull the hammer back with the other hand trick and mm-hmm. rapid fires those fuckers and 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 well, that was the only way you can you could those weren't automatic no. guns. You had to you had to throw the hammer yeah. back in order to shoot them. Um, he invented the semi-automatic the pistol, <laughs> and uh, he's like, ha ha. And, and he tells him he tells one of them as he's dying that it was their spurs that gave him away. Yeah. It was your spurs. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but uh oh, yeah, who came in through the window? Well, there's another set of spurs that are yeah. that are jingle jangle jingled, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and those are belonging to Tuco, who is who has just come in through the window. Yeah, and he's brought Blondie a gift. What gift is that? It's a rope. Oh boy! <laughs> he says, "Hey, throw this rope over the roof beam, would you?" Yeah. Blondie's like, "Okay." Put the noose around your neck. Stand on that stool. Okay. Don't secure the rope to anything. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It'll just sort of work itself out. No, there's a loop. He puts it through a loop. Oh, that's right. He he loops it cowboy style. Yeah. And uh, he's like, okay, time for revenge. And then, thankfully, thankfully he's saved by the cannon fire of plot convenience. Exactly. There's the most convenient cannonball firing ever. (laughs) Knocks, b- blows out the floor, and knocks Tuco down to the to the outside. Down to the ground, yeah. When he and now we cut to the bumfuck desert, where Angel Eyes gets info from the saddest Confederate fort ever. <laughs> They're eating corn cobs. They're eating corn. <laughs> this guy's just loading corn cobs into a pot, yep. and he's like, "Oh fuck, God, things suck here. Everything sucks. What do you want?" And uh, 
Angel Eyes is just wants info. Yeah. Here's some whiskey. I'm looking for Bill Carson. Yeah. And he's like, gives him more info. Yeah. Right? And he tells him he tells him where Carson's outfit was headed, but then he also says yeah. that you know if he's 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 probably either dead or he's been taken prisoner. Mm-hmm. And if he was taken prisoner, this is the name of the Union prison that he's in. Yeah. So here's an idea. Why don't you go get a job there? I, I bet it's easy oh. to go and become like a commander there. Thanks a lot. Go, go, no, uh, wait. Don't you want to watch me sloppily pour this whiskey into my mouth because for some reason I won't put my lips to the bottle? <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's got standards of cleanliness. Okay. I also love the, the fact that this guy is presumably cooking the worst soup in the world, <laughs> corn cob soup, for all the other di- dead and dying Confederate soldiers. The instant he gets the whiskey, he lays down and starts drinking <laughs> he sees a way out and he's taking it yeah but um now we get tuco tracking blondie through the desert yeah via his cigar sense yes in which once again we are shown not told how tuco is knowing that he's getting closer to blondie exactly right? exactly because he, he keeps finding blondie's campfires and he keeps finding the cigars that uh the, that blondie smokes and every time he finds one he picks one up and he tests it to see if it's still lit. Yep. And we do this about five or six times, and on the last one, it's still lit. Yeah, still. and you see the smoke coming out, and you know that he's right on yeah. top of him now. And he's like, I got him now. <laughs> and guess what? He's got him now. He's got him now. <laughs> and guess what? He's trying to pull the same kind of scam, just yeah. with a different partner. Yeah, shorty. Yeah. Uh, not the not the guy. It's a different, different shorty. shorty. Not the one that has no legs, because that would change the scene no. a lot if it was the other shorty. <laughs> that would make it even darker. Yeah. Sorry, Shorty. Yeah. He, uh, Tuco shows up, points a gun at him, and he's they're at the point where they're reading off the charges, and this other new partner that he has is is got the rope around his neck, and he indicates, hey, can I shoot this guy off? Can I save this guy? And Tuco's like, fuck him. <laughs> and Clint's like, okay. Oh, well. <laughs> Tuco's got plans, doesn't he? Yeah. What's he going to He's going to get him some revenge. Well, how is he well gonna do that? he's still a little raw over the whole being left in the desert to die thing. Mm-hmm. So With no money. With no money and no you know water or nothing. So, nothing yeah. so he forces Blondie to walk next to him in the desert. And he tells him yeah. they're, they're going to cross the desert. It's 100 miles, the direction they're going from here to the next town. It's so awful that not even the army will go through it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for someone like, but he makes fun of Blondie because Blondie had told him, like, well, for a man like you, I think you could do it, you know. And if you save your if breath, you save your breath, yeah. So he says the same thing to Blondie, like, "Oh, you'll make it. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. A guy like you, if you save your breath, you'll make it." And mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not gonna let you. Make yeah, it. <laughs> I'm. Oh, I'm definitely gonna kill you. Yeah. But just let's just say, um, I got this pink parasol that's gonna shade yes. me from the sun. I'm gonna drink water right in front of you. <laughs> I'm gonna pour it on my face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna leave water near you and then shoot it full of holes so that you can't drink it. I'm going to offer you water that I'm bathing my feet in. <laughs> and then not let you have it. I'm going to shoot your hat off so you have no protection from the sun. Right. And, yeah. But just as he collapses, and took after, I guess, a couple of days in the desert, yeah. and, and he's burned. Ooh. I mean, his skin is peeling off. He looks like a zombie from the Wonkin. Yeah. Tuco's about to put a bullet in him. Thankfully, the death carriage of plot convenience arrives in the desert. <laughs> yes. A carriage that belongs to the Confederate Army yeah. comes barreling right down in front of him. 
Mm-hmm. What does Tuco it's, do? Yeah, well, he runs down and he, he stops the, the horses in, and goes into the back of the carriage and opens it up, and there's a whole bunch of dead people. Yeah, <laughs> Ex- and one almost dead person. One almost dead person who matches the mm-hmm. description of what we've heard uh, Bill Carson looks like, which is a guy yeah, with an eye Bill patch. Carson, yeah, he's got an eye patch. And, and he wants water. He's like, water. And he's like, Why? <laughs> I'm here stealing stuff. Yeah. Nice snuff pouch. I'm keeping that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that won't come up anytime soon. Let me ask you a question. This snuff pouch becomes important later on. Bill Carson's snuff pouch is this little clamshell thing with a pink interior that has in pink lettering his name inside of it. Was that a gift? Yeah, probably. Or did he pick it out? He's like, yes, I want the frilliest, girliest snuff pouch you can find. And can I have my name embroidered on the inside? Well, you know, he bought it before the war. He was a bit of a dandy, you know. I guess... (laughs) The war changed him. It changed many people in many ways, you know? Uh-huh. So Tuco runs off to get him water. Because what he says is, you give me water, you can have $200,000 in gold. I've hidden it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, where? And he's like, in a cemetery. Which one? And then he tells him which one. I can't remember what I think it it's called Sad Hill, actually. Sad yeah. Hill. Yeah, there you go. And and he's like, w- w- what grave? And he's like, give me water. Yeah. And so Tuco runs off to get water. And somehow... <laughs> When he runs off to get water, what happens? <laughs> Blondie uh, rallies. He gets his second wind. <laughs> <laughs> he somehow makes it over to the carriage and manages yeah. to get the name on the grave out of Carson right before mm-hmm. Carson dies, just as yeah. Tuco is showing up with the water. <laughs> So now, what happens, Steve? They gotta work together. Yeah, it's like they each have half of the formula for Coke. And yeah, if they want to make the Tuco Coke... now really needs to keep Blondie alive. Yeah, even though Blondie's about five minutes from death himself, because uh-huh. Tuco has been marching him through the desert yeah. for a week. So now Tuco puts on dead people's Confederate clothing. Right. He rides off to a fort, and he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm a Southerner, even though I have a thick Spanish accent. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Bill Carson. I love Dixie. Um, they tell him, uh, go to the monastery for medical care. Right? Yeah. They go to the monastery. They get him into a room. And uh, they're like, hey, he'll be okay. Tuco actually prays yeah. for him to live yeah. so he can get this money. What's that money, man? And then the weirdest thing ever happens. You know what that is, Steve? What is it? We get backstory on Tuco. Yeah. Some really deep backstory. Kind of yeah, makes you guess who, like, feel for him a feel little. For yeah. Him? That he has more than one emotion? Yeah. That, in fact, he has more emotions than the the good or the bad in this movie? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. It's almost <laughs> like he's a three-dimensional character or something. For the most part, because apparently Tuco's brother is the big boss of the monastery. Yeah, yeah. And he has to tell him, Mom and Dad are dead. <laughs> That's where I was. I was just at... Uh, Dad, yeah. I was burying Dad. And Tuco's a little upset about it. Yeah. And, and then they get in a fight, and he punches his brother... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They have a really nice scene, actually, where Tuco sort of tells his brother that, you know, he became a bandit and his brother became a yeah. priest. And the only reason his brother became a priest was because he didn't have the guts to do it Tuco's way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then Blondie gets better and they take the carriage. They're still dressed like Confederate soldiers. Yep. And they leave and Tuco paints a happy face on his re- reunion with his brother. Yeah. Which makes you feel so deeply for Tuco that you can't stand it because he's just been an asshole yeah. this whole yeah this whole movie, <laughs> and you have and it also helps develop the Blondie character a little bit because he's like going along with it. He knows he overheard the whole thing. Yeah, 
He knows and what actually just, happened. He, yeah, and th- rather than throwing it in his face, he just accepts it. <laughs> you know, he just says, okay, if this is what you need, dude, should we kiss or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm glad you said no. I wasn't really going to do it. Yeah. But then Tugo sees riders coming up to the carriage, right? <laughs> yeah. And at first he thinks, oh, I can see their uniforms. Their uniforms are gray. So they're on our side. So we'll mm-hmm. just pass by and salute and say, yeah. you know, hey, wish I was hey, a Dixie. screaming, hey, yeah, down with the Yankees. We should kill them all. Death is too good for the Yankees. I've killed so many Yankees. <laughs> oh. I hope we go to the north and invade them and murder their children. <laughs> I fuck the Yankees' grandmas. Oh, no. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it, it turns, it turns out, out they're actually Yankees. It's just that their uniforms were kind of dusty. Yeah, covered in dust from hard riding. Oops. <laughs> so now they're captured. Now they're going to prison camp. Mm-hmm. And um, while they're uh, being lined up, uh, everybody recognizes everybody. Because guess who's there? Guess who's at the prison camp? Guess who listened to my advice? (laughs) (laughs) Sergeant Angel Eyes is there. Yeah, Sergeant Angel Eyes. (laughs) How? Got a job at the prison camp. How'd he get there? How does he do it? Who fucking cares? How is he a sergeant? Who did he kill and steal their uniform? (laughs) What we do know is things haven't been terribly happy at the prison camp because he has a discussion with the dying camp commander. Yeah. Who looks at everything through a telescope from his room. And he's like, look, I know that people are getting looted. I know that there's an organization doing it. I know that the prisoners are being mistreated. And it needs to stop. (laughs) And Angel's Eyes is like, I'm doing all that shit. I'm I'm nodding my head. But if you haven't noticed, I'm a a human bag full of snakes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you're gonna die so who cares <laughs> so uh but while they're lined up for roll call um both tuco and blondie recognize him as angel eyes yeah is that angel eyes <laughs> hey angel and eyes then, what's up man uh, tuco does the dumbest thing he could have done he uh, when they call <laughs> out bill carson's name he goes yeah i'm bill carson <laughs> <laughs> And Angel Eyes is like, will you please follow us this way to the torture hut? <laughs> <laughs> we have you scheduled for a 5 p.m. beating. Yeah. And it's time for Angel Eyes to uh, artistically torture Tuco. Yep. In a scene that will be uh, copied and copied and copied by so many other people in so many other movies later on. In which he invites him in, he's eating food, the band strikes up outside. Yep. And while the band is playing to cover up the sounds of them beating the ever-loving shit out of Tuco to get information out of him. Yep. And he tells them where the cemetery is, right? Yeah, but but he he can't tell him what the name on the grave no, is. because he doesn't because know. Because that's what Blondie's that's here right. for. And so they're like, bring Blondie in. And we're like, oh no, they're going to be a Blondie. <laughs> and uh, Blondie comes in and Angel Eyes is like, you're never going to talk, are you, Blondie? Nope. Well, what's the point <laughs> of torturing you? Good, yeah. Here's a gun. <laughs> You're right. Thanks. We're partners now. We'll split the money. Awesome. Where's Tuco? Why the fuck do you care? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Where is Tuco, by the way? Yeah, where he's, he's somewhere. He's, okay. he's still in the. He is going to take a train ride with his favorite yeah. soldier. The one that beat the shit out of him during the torture scene. Yeah. And they're getting on a train, and he, I guess he's going to be sent away for a hanging or something. Yeah, and they're handcuffed together. Mm-hmm. Him and the the soldier. And uh, then we cut away, and uh, Angel Eyes has made it sound like it's just the two of them, just Blondie and him going out to get this money. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Blondie shoots a dude, <laughs> and it turns out that's a member of his gang. None of them are really upset yeah. that he just killed one of the members of the gang. They don't 
seem to care yeah, at all, really. It becomes pretty clear that Angel Eyes, this is not a partnership. Bondi knows, Bondi's got to know that he's just going to get killed the moment they get that, that money, right? Because there's right. Five, now five of them. There's six of them, and just him. Yeah, there's six of them counting Angel yeah. Eyes, yeah. <clears throat> um, but then we come back to the train, and then Tuco escapes in the grossest way possible. <laughs> <laughs> he jumps off the train yeah, and, and the dude pulls the other guy yeah, with him. And the other guy dies. He gets his fucking head caved in with yeah, a rock. Yeah, that's right. Is what, that's he, is right. what happens yeah. to him. And then Oof. he's got to get free of the uh, get free of the handcuffs. So uh, he drags the body up <laughs> to the railroad and puts the handcuffs on the railroad track. And then another train comes and cuts the handcuffs. And uh, <laughs> Drags. And takes care he of the other guy, the other too. Guy. Yeah. If he wasn't dead before, he's definitely dead now. <laughs> and this is also the second time where Eli Wallach jeopardized his own life for this movie because apparently yeah. the train they had had these little steps that were hanging out. Oh. And if he had lifted his head more than three inches, that train would have decapitated him. <laughs> so... Uh, but he's free! Hooray! And he jumps onto that train, right? Yeah. 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 But The train that just killed the other dude, because he's like, hey, a train's yeah. a train. So now we go to scenic Explodeberg, whose primary <laughs> exports are refugees, and whose imports are criminals, bounty hunters, and union ordinance. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, there's this town that is being abandoned. People are fleeing because it's getting the, it's just getting bombed to shit. Right? Yeah. And I guess Angel Eyes says, "Yeah, this is a good place to stop. Why not? <laughs> we'll just take a rest. Yeah, you know. Yeah. What happens, Steve? Um. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, Tuco is here Tuco too. Shows right? up. Tuco is here. Tuco shows and up. He needs a bounty. And he, yeah, well, and, and he runs into one of the bounty hunters from the beginning oh, of the well, movie. Well, no, the bounty hunter sees him and follows him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the bounty hunter has he only has one arm because apparently Tuco shot his arm yeah. off in their their earlier encounter. Right. Um, so yeah, Tuco goes into uh, a to a, a like a, like an abandoned yeah, saloon yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, there's a bathtub and, full of hot water. Yeah, and he he puts in the suds and he gets naked and yeah, we get to see Eli takes Wallach's a bath. butt. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Eli Wallach, circa 1966. Um, um, do, yeah, and he's in the yeah. bath, and the other guy comes mm-hmm. in, and uh, he's like, hey, remember me? I'm going to kill you now. And Eli Wallach, or uh, Tuco says, no, you're not, because I have my gun under the yeah. suds. And then he kills him yeah. and shoots him dead, and then he stands up and says one of the great lines in the movie where he says, when you got to shoot, shoot. Don't right. talk. <laughs> remember, we're deconstructing westerns here. <laughs> what are you doing talking? I was in a bathtub. Just just murder me. What are but you doing? But this is where we discover that Blondie has a superpower. And that, <laughs> that superpower is, is that he can recognize guns by the sound they make. And when he yeah, hears that, and he, recognizes, and he knows, oh, that's Tuco. Yeah. So he heads off. He says to Angel Eyes, I'm going to take a yeah. walk. And Angel Eyes <laughs> sends a, a guy out to follow behind him, who he then immediately murders. <laughs> he murders like as soon as he's around the corner. Uh-huh. And then Tuco and Blondie are together again. And they're like, let's be badasses together. (laughs) Let's kill all these people. So okay. they walk down the street and they shoot all of his because uh, and they find Angel Eyes guys find the other dead guy and he's like oh he was shot at close range hey guys run out to the street go find him and kill him except uh, maybe okay. not Blondie although I did tell you to kill both of them I kind of need Blondie <laughs> oh um, shit I hope they don't kill Blondie I don't know anymore <laughs> <laughs> guys go out the bombs go off they shoot all the dudes. They get to where uh, Angel Eyes was, and what's there? <laughs> There's a yeah. note. Angel Eyes is vanished, but at least he left a note for him. <laughs> and the note says, see you soon, idiots. 
and Blondie hands it to Tuco and it's, says, it's for you, <laughs> which is my favorite line in this whole movie. <laughs> it's so perfect. Ah, so now they're walking and talking, and you're like, hey, about ten minutes has go by, and they haven't been captured by anybody, and then they get captured again. Uh-oh. Yeah, by the Union soldiers, and they're taken to this encampment right next to a river and a bridge, and it's yeah. time for the message of the movie to be delivered by Captain Boozy McBringdown. <laughs> Yeah, he's not having such a good time in the Civil War, you no, see. No, he's like, hey, you guys, what are you doing here? And they're like, we want to join. And he's like, I don't believe you. Um, Drink? <laughs> and he's like, hey, follow me around. I'm going to talk about how war is stupid for a little while. See that bridge over there? We're supposed to make sure that we get the bridge. But the Confederates on the other side of the river, they want the bridge. If it was me, I'd blow up the bridge because I'm done. I'm sick of it. I, I've reached the point where I'm not even sad anymore. I just don't care anymore. <laughs> Everyone here is drunk, by the way. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why we haven't taken the bridge yet. Like, I have dreams at night about blowing that bridge up myself. In fact, I got dynamite to do it. Oh, hey, you guys want to watch us fight? <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the daily battle. Yeah, it's time for this humongous <laughs> battle scene between Union soldiers and Confederate soldiers over this bridge. And, um, you know, I guess he felt perfectly fine with telling these two strangers his treasonous <laughs> plans to blow up the bridge. <laughs> I'm just saying, I would totally blow that bridge up. Yeah, guys. and what happens in the battle, Steve? Oh, well, the poor drunk captain gets wounded. Yeah. And while the battle's going on, uh, Tuco and Blondie are watching, and they it dawns on them that with these two armies on either side of the yeah, river, dead set on fighting each other, they're they're not going to get over that yeah. river. And Tuco, Tuco reveals that, well, the, the cemetery is on the other side of the yeah. river. So And so they go, hey, let's blow up the bridge. Yeah, and before they leave the to bridge. do it, uh, Blondie goes in and says, hey, one of your dreams is about to come true. Keep your ears open. And, and yeah, dude who's dying is like, oh, fucking awesome. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I won't die until it do happens, it. I promise. <laughs> so they, uh, one of my, another one of my favorite scenes about how there is no good in this movie. There is anti-hero and no hero. There's no hero in this. They're, they're trying to bring the dynamite down. A litter passes by with a wounded soldier on it that turns the corner, and then they follow behind it, and we can only assume they knock out the Union soldiers holding the litter and push the injured guy off of it so that they can easily yes. carry the, the dynamite down to the bridge. Yes. And then when they get down to the bottom, there are other medics there carrying wounded away. They they pretend like they're going to pick up a wounded yeah. guy un- until the other medics are out of sight. <laughs> and then they just drop him and leave him and keep carrying the dynamite. And then they rig up the uh, bridge to explode. And they go, hey, one of us might die. We should exchange information, right? You yeah. tell me what you know, and I'll tell you what you know. And that way, if one of us dies, at least one of us is going to get the money. Yeah. And they're like, okay. And they tell each other. And then they light the fuse for the blowing up of the bridge. And they blow the shit out of that bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Tonight on Mythbusters. And here's a funny thing. Uh, the first time they rigged that bridge up to explode, it was the, uh, I believe, the Spanish military that did it. And Ooh. someone mistook a signal that, okay, we're all ready to shoot for the, okay, blow up the bridge. <laughs> and they Whoops. blew up the bridge. No one was hurt, but they didn't have a bridge no more to shoot. So they had to build another one. 
<laughs> that was a fun day to be around Sergio yeah. Leone. And this is also one of those times where, because uh, they run away from the bridge and they hop, they hop they down to get cover, right? Yeah. And they blow up the bridge, and you can literally see shrapnel come within a foot of, I mean, hi- heavy impact shrapnel hitting oh, it, yeah. like right next to them. It was that stunt was impressive. You don't yeah. get that shit with CGI explosions nowadays. <laughs> These coddled actors mm-hmm. today not having to survive actual explosions. And I guess while they were laying down they fell asleep or something <laughs> some time passed yeah because when they get up and look around everybody's gone yeah they took off oh and when the bridge exploded the, the captain uh, captain mcboozy mcbring down <laughs> hears it and sees it and he's like i can die now and then he dies yeah so it's a happy ending yeah, for him the end <laughs> <laughs> so then they get across the river blondie discovers a uh, dying confederate soldier right yeah gives him his Give, coat gives him his coat and uh, gives him a puff on his uh, cigar he dies and he's like oh hey my my iconic poncho it's been here the cool. whole time i was wondering i was wondering when i was gonna find this <laughs> grabs that but oh what's happened steve uh, Tuco has made a break yeah, for it. He's gotten on a horse. Because now Tuco has both pieces of information, so he's like, fuck this, I'm going to go get that yeah. money. So he, he rides ahead, he gets to the cemetery, and uh, the cemetery is circular. There's this big, like, big area that serves no purpose in the middle, and yeah. then the, the graves fan around it. And we have this really long shot of him just running around in a circle, desperately looking for the grave marker. Yeah. And it keeps going, and it keeps going and going, <laughs> it keeps going and going and going. And I started feeling a little sick because, I mean, don't get me wrong. The cinematography in this is great, and it does serve a purpose, okay? It does it does fuel the storyline, um, but it does go a little long. To the- yeah, it's like when you're if you're on a merry-go-round going really fast yeah. and you try to, you like, stare at a fixed point. You just start to get yeah, a little nauseous after a while. Yeah, and the other people on the merry-go-round are Eli Wallach. <laughs> Lee Van Cleef and Clint Eastwood. Yes. <laughs> Dashing madly through a cemetery. But he finds the grave. Yeah. It's the grave of Arch Stanton. Arch Stanton. Um, and he starts digging through it with his hands. And then a shovel is thrown at him by who? By Blondie. Yeah. And yeah. he's got a gun and he's like, dig. <laughs> and then. Yeah. And then. <laughs> and there's another shovel. <laughs> By Angel Eyes, <laughs> who who has been here the whole yeah. time, because of course he knew where he was going. He knew where the cemetery was. He was just waiting for these idiots to show exactly. up. Exactly. And, <laughs> and he says, two can dig faster than one." And Clint Eastwood is like, "I don't dig." <laughs> and went, by the way, there's nothing in there. And I'm like, "What?" They open it up, and there's just a skeleton. Yeah. There's no money. I told you the wrong name, genius. Yeah. I'm going to write it down here on this rock. I'm going to put it right here in the middle of this huge circular area. And <laughs> now it's time for a Mexican standoff. Yeah. And uh, It's time time to ratchet the tension up just oh, a bit. Oh, yeah. It's time for the music <laughs> to ebb and flow about 15 times. <laughs> it's time to suddenly realize, holy shit, Quentin Tarantino's entire career rides on this movie. <laughs> Yep, because <laughs> he much. stole everything from it. Um, yeah, this—it's totally his Citizen King. <laughs> and it goes on and it goes on, and we got the close-up of the eyes and the hand, and you can see that Lee Van Cleef is missing the top digit of his middle finger, which is—I yeah. didn't real i don't remember that from the last time I watched it. Um, and everyone's looking around, and guns, oh, close-ups, and the music swells, and all this other stuff. And the music is fucking awesome, by the way. Yeah. Um, if a little overblown. Just oh, a little. yeah. Well, and, it, and it just, I mean, it just gets ratcheted up so high, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you know. 
And you're like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? Who's gonna shoot? Who's gonna shoot who? Guess who shoots who? <laughs> they all shoot each other. They die at the end. No, that is the end. <laughs> well, no. What, again, what happens is Tuco finally shoots at Angel Eyes, and uh, yeah. uh, Blondie shoots at Angel Eyes as and well. Angel Eyes is going to shoot Blondie, and Angel Eyes is going to shoot Blondie. Yeah. Uh, but Blondie shoots him yeah. first. And he's like, "Erg!" And, yeah, and kills the shit out and of him. And he's getting up, and then Blondie shoots him again and spins him through the air into a grave. <laughs> and yep. then he shoots his hat into the grave, and then he shoots his gun into the grave as well. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And Tuco discovers that he has no bullets in his gun. Yeah, because Blondie ain't no dummy. Yeah, he took the bullets out of He his... unloaded Tuco's gun so that they thought it was a three-way standoff, but it was actually only a two-way. Right. And Blondie's like, okay, let's get that money. And he's like, but the grave was empty. And he said, that's because it's right next to it. The one that's un- that says unknown. That's yeah. where it was. He said it was next to Archer Stanton's, the one that's marked unknown. Dig. Yeah, I have bullets in my gun, so you yeah. dig. So he digs. He opens it up. He pulls out eight bags of Confederate gold. And uh, Eli Wallach, once again, nearly uh, kills himself making this film because what happened is... He takes a shovel and he opens up the bag of gold, one of the bags of gold, with his shovel. In order to do that, they decided we're going to pour acid onto the bag so that it easily splits open. We're going to keep the acid in a bottle that's marked lemon drink. And we're going to put it out here in the Spanish desert right next to the other drinks that Eli Wallach then picks up and drinks. What's the worst that could happen? Well, he nearly died. (laughs) Oh, okay. He got treated. He drank a whole bunch of milk, and they treated him for it. And the remainder of the scenes in that cemetery, he is doing with sores running up and uh, in and around his mouth and down his throat. Damn. That's an actor, buddy. Yeah, it is. But he's got all the gold out. He's super happy. But what happens? Oh, Blondie says, guess what? (laughs) (laughs) We're not really friends. No, not really. He says, okay, look, I'm going to take half the gold. I'll leave you your half. Mm-hmm. But, hey, look, what's what's that up there? <laughs> and Tuco looks, and look, there's there's a noose yeah. hanging from a tree. Mm-hmm. And he makes Tuco get up into it, standing yeah, stand on, top on, top on, a, of a, yeah, on top of a grave marker. Yeah, a, a, a rather wobbly grave yeah. marker. He loads up his, his uh, gold onto his horse in a shot where if you look closely in the far left-hand car, that side, you can see a car part. And <laughs> the, the first car. The first car. No, Fucking 1960s cop. That's the twist. They were never in the old Nimble West at all. Eyes. You'd need to. You'd need to really be looking in order to notice him. Um, he loads up his gold, gets on his horse, and says, "Bye, <laughs> bye, Tuco. See you later." And he's like, "Bye, no!" And he rides off. And you're like, "Wow, this got dark." <laughs> but he's got to prove that he's the good in the good, the bad, and the ugly, right, Steve? Yeah, yeah. He he, From he rides away, hundred meters away. <laughs> the good, as in the good yeah, shot. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, he takes he takes his time, and it looks like he's going to leave Portuco, mm-hmm. but then he comes back, and he does his old trick of shooting through the rope and knocking Tuco down, and then he rides away. Yeah, and Tuco's, uh, I guess, relieved that he's alive, but <laughs> that doesn't stop him from cursing him out yeah. and saying that he's a son of a bitch, which they... <laughs> <clears throat> overlay with the wah on the word bitch, yeah. which I don't understand because they've been cussing through this whole movie. Not like <laughs> hardcore of cussing. There's no fuck yous or shits or stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't understand why they... I guess it was still censors or something. Because they needed to get that last ow, ow, ow in there. You can murder half the state of bumfuck New Mexico, but you did, can't have someone say bitch at the end of the movie. No, you don't want to ruin it for the audience. Yeah. And so Blondie rides off... The end. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck carrying all that gold somewhere, Tuco. <laughs> so, Steve. Yes. How do you feel? 
about mm-hmm. this ultimate spaghetti western, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was excellent. Um, it's, you know, I, we talked a little bit before we started recording, mm-hmm. and I think you said you, you hadn't watched it for a while yeah, either. Yeah, I haven't seen it in probably about it. 10 years. Yeah, it had been a long time since I watched it all the way through, too. And actually, when I think about it, I've probably only watched it all the way through from start to finish, maybe just a handful of times, because it's one of those movies that I feel like I've seen a lot, because when I was young, it was on TV, like, every weekend. Mm -hmm. It's one of those movies that, like, the local TV station would just put on, and it would play all afternoon. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I've seen bits and pieces of it, you know, over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. but... um, it's such a great goddamn movie. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those movies where, like, it's 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 really long. Like, the restored version is almost three hours. Yeah. And there are there are times when I'm watching it, or what, after I've watched it, when I look back on it, and I think it's just so long. Like, it, maybe it could use a it's trim. It's long, and there's but, not a whole lot of plot. No, and, and, but the problem is, like, it when I when I start thinking about it, of you know, what's well, a three hour movie? What, what like what could we lose to to tighten it up a little Everything? bit? Everything and. and <laughs> Well, yeah, it's everything or nothing. Because, like, what do you cut out? Mm-hmm. The, the, the individual... I think that's why it wound up being so long. Because the individual scenes, even ones like the uh, the, the blowing up of the bridge that don't necessarily have anything to do directly with, with the, the plot, yeah. are so brilliant mm-hmm. and so beautifully yeah. done. It's like you would hate... You couldn't possibly get rid of it. I you mean, could easily cut out the entire bridge scene. From beginning oh, to yeah. end, and it wouldn't make any difference. No, it, it, because the, the only thing that it advances in the plot is it just gets him over the yeah. river. It just it gets him to the cemetery. You don't need it at all in terms of plot, but it's just such a virtuoso sequence that it's like, damn, no, of course I'm not going to cut that out. Like That's one of the greatest scenes of a Western that I've ever it seen. It also changes the scope of the film. And I think it, it introduces one of my favorite elements of this movie, which is that it's, it's I guess you would you could consider it technically a Civil War movie because it takes place in the backdrop of the Civil War, mm. even though it's not. But it's the only Civil War movie I can think of where nobody in the movie, including the people who are actually fighting the Civil War, yeah. give, gives a shit about the Civil no. War. I mean, we see from both sides. Yes, the war is being fought. It's being very hard fought. It's taking a toll on the people, both in the army and in the surrounding areas. Yeah. Like, the war is just awful. But nobody is emotionally invested in the war at all. Mm-hmm. They're just completely exhausted. They don't care. They don't care who wins and loses. There's no, like, patriotism nope. or anything. It's just, let's, we can this just be over? Mm-hmm. Can we just have this war over? Uh, and that's really refreshing, you know, because in pretty much any other Civil War movie, movie it's all about you know the poetry and the gallantry and the nobility of the soldiers and you know these sweeping battle mm-hmm. scenes and, rather than and in this movie it as the meat grinder that it actually was exactly in this movie it is nothing but a burden and something that people just on both sides just want to have over with and uh i thought that was it's one that's one of the reasons why it's one of i would call it one of my favorite civil war movies in addition to being one of my favorite westerns mm-hmm. because it's not it, it's it's a civil war movie that does not give a shit about the civil no, war it doesn't. except to to drive home a message about just how awful war is in general yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, what we said earlier when we were talking about the opening scene, there there are so many sequences in the movie where you you get a perfect story told with almost no dialogue, with almost no exposition. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are scenes that could almost come from a silent movie yeah. because it's just it's clear what people's motivations are, it's clear what they want, uh, and you just get this like that that the sequence where he's tracking him with the cigars is one of the most perfect 
you know, like detective scenes yeah. that I've ever seen in a movie because it's just so simple and it's conceived so that the story can be told completely through visuals. And it's not explained and, afterwards where, you know, you no. have some ham-fisted dialogue where Tuco goes, you know, I found you, Blondie. I, you, you, your cigars. They didn't have yeah. to. They showed us. No, you, you <laughs> get it. Yeah, you get it. And yeah, you know, the stylistic tricks that we talked about, how people sort of step in from directly out of frame mm-hmm. as though they just appeared out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a style stylistic thing it, it obviously it doesn't make any sense in a three-dimensional world but it works for this movie because that those are the rules that are established yeah. and uh, it's yeah it's i mean it's i think it's i definitely think it's the best spaghetti western i think it's one of the best westerns of any subgenre, mm-hmm. and one of the best just one of the best movies period right. you know i just i'm a huge 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 fan of this movie. yeah me too uh yeah. i appreciate this film not just from its cinematography and the way it tells its story and the way the script has been written so that it doesn't treat us like idiots. They don't over-explain anything. <laughs> they just kind of set the world in front of us and we can figure out what's going on um, to the level of how the characters would understand it. I like the idea that the three main characters don't give a shit about the Civil War at all whatsoever. <laughs> and point of fact, they're kind of profiting from it yeah. because in the in the turmoil and the chaos and everything else, all three of these characters clearly demonstrate that the, the war is something that's happening to other people. And while mm-hmm. some of them, uh, there's some stuff that goes on with Blondie in which uh, I think he says, um, I've, I've never said something when, when they're fighting the battle, he says, I've never seen so many young men wasted for no yeah. reason. That's about the, the depth of it. It does not mean that he's going to step up and try to do something about it. Um, the, his blowing up the bridge does serve a dual purpose, but it mostly it serves him. And as an added benefit, it, it, it satisfies this captain. <laughs> <laughs> who wants, who's been kind of trapped by his orders and by his own sense of responsibility to just continue to follow orders and keep a bridge that they don't even know why they're keeping it for the most part. <clears throat> what I really like about this film is that, holy God, did the Western need this kind of movie when it came out. Um, <laughs> this this movie and a couple of other movies are a direct response to how Westerns had been handled up to that point where if you had a hero, he was a very clear hero and he was very straightforward and he did very heroic things, basically they're all a bunch of lone rangers where they yeah. stood for the, you had the hero that stood up for decency and blah 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 and then you had the bad guys who were wearing black hats and there were some films that, that played around with it but they were all very relatively clean it was the westerns were always just super antiseptic as far as how they treated the old west I don't even know if there were prostitutes or if they said <laughs> they, I think you know there was they a, were saloon they girls were saloon girls they, you know, they dance and that's it that's all they do they just dance and sing up on stage that's what Mar- Marlena Dietrich was right Right? Yeah, that's all they do. So to stop it. And this movie came along and said, no, it was dirty. It was violent. People had highly questionable morals. There was literally <laughs> almost no law, and what law there was was brutal and thuggish. <laughs> and there were there was prostitution. It was you know I, there was a, a a desire to present the Western differently and still make it compelling. And this is kind of that direct response. It's not a mistake that out of all three of the main characters, none of them are trustworthy (laughs) (laughs) they're kind of like on different levels i think it's really interesting that the that tuco is the character that gets the most character development gets the most screen time Mm -hmm. and is the one that you can empathize with more than uh clint eastwood's character who's you know he doesn't demonstrate any outward emotion about much of anything at all he's clint eastwood (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yeah. And then you have Lee Van Cleef, who's just just a dark shadow of evil. And whenever <laughs> he's in a scene, he's like, "Oh God, he's gonna kill everybody, everybody, and everything." <laughs> 
But even that's cross-cut because there are moments where, like the when Lee Van Cleef gives the, the dude the whiskey, or where he's interacting with other people in the town, and you understand that all Lee Van Cleef is doing is getting to his end objective the way he wants to do it. So he's not necessarily the bad. He even has his own kind of set of... He has his own code. Yeah. And he says, well, I've been hired to do a job, and I'm going to do it. I never not do a job. I've been hired to kill you. Bang, you're dead. Thanks for the money. Hey, guy, I did it. Bang, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> I need some information, so I'm going to torture it out of this bandit. Yeah. <laughs> just what I gotta do. That's what I gotta do. But the way they set up his character, because he he seldom talks, but he has these little traits, like him smoking a pipe. You know, he's just yeah. sitting there smoking a pipe, and you can always tell that he's thinking. That he's always, you know, he's kind of one step ahead of everybody. Um, the, the character that probably has the least amount of character development, and that is on purpose, is Blondie. Mm-hmm. And you're never really certain what motivates him other than money. I mean, he has no backstory. At all whatsoever. So um, there were a lot of things that they just basically said, okay, here's the basic Western. Let's throw all of that out, and we're going to put all of this in. And guess what? It made a shit zillion dollars comparatively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it made uh, Clint Eastwood one of the biggest stars mm-hmm. in the world. And also, since it was so artistically done, since it was done in, in, in such a wonderfully cinematic way, it deserves to be a classic. It's one of those films that you're going to look back on. And you, you, that'll probably exist for a long time. So long as there are westerns, people are going to go back to this movie and go, hey, look at it. I remember I rewatched this movie after watching, I can't remember which Quentin Tarantino film I had watched. And I didn't get mad at Tarantino. (laughs) (laughs) We've mentioned him a couple of times because it is, if you have not seen this movie, boy, oh boy, does he lift. He's made it, it's not like he's keeping it a secret. He's been very upfront about how much he loves Sergio Leone. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the thing that one of the things about Tarantino is that his writing is what sets him apart. But he lifts his framing from people who had good framing. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, and, and he's very open about it. Oh yeah, it. he is. I mean, he's not trying to pass it off as something other than what it no. is. And so I'm not going to get angry at him because he, if he's going to lift from the best, he's lifting from the best. And holy shit, is this movie <laughs> some of the best? So, yeah. Does it deserve to be a classic? Well, fuck yeah. (laughs) And if you haven't seen it, go see it. It's a little long, but if you've never seen it, you'll enjoy it. Uh, Hopefully. If you just don't like Westerns, don't. You're just not. If you're going for a developed female character, don't. No. Yeah. Look elsewhere. (laughs) If you don't like violence or people with questionable morals, don't. Go, yeah, this isn't a movie for you. No. But if you love the art of cinema, then this movie qualifies 100%. It should be required watching if you want to be a movie reviewer. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so huge thumbs up from both of us. Yes. Recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's a gold star. It's damn. Right. Whatever the highest thing is and whatever your rating system exactly. is. Okay, and now it's time for me and Steve to recommend other movies uh, that are hopefully related to the movie we just watched. Right, Steve? That's right, Jason. <laughs> Hey, Steve, what movie yes. would you like to recommend to the nice audience this time around? Well, I was thinking along the lines of, you know, maybe if someone watched this movie uh-huh. uh, to prepare for our podcast and maybe they hadn't seen it before yeah. or they weren't super into spaghetti westerns and they wanted to explore some other spaghetti westerns. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one obvious place to, to look would be the other two films in the Dollars trilogy. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
because those these those three movies this really sort of set the tone for the spaghetti western genre yeah. but uh, there's another movie that was not quite as highly regarded and you know isn't as good of a movie as the one we've just been talking about mm-hmm. but it's still pretty good and, and was, was very influential mm-hmm. and it, it is uh, a movie that was released originally in 1966 it is a spaghetti western and it has a name that will be familiar to many people mm-hmm. uh, even if you've never seen the movie because the title of the film is Django oh yeah Django yeah which is another influence on Tarantino mm-hmm. because he lifted the name and, and some elements of the story uh, for his film Django Unchained but the the original Django was directed by probably the most important spaghetti western director other than Sergio Leone mm-hmm. uh, which is Sergio Corbucci mm-hmm. and he made a whole bunch of spaghetti westerns in the 60s and 70s uh, the the best two generally speaking by critical consensus were this movie Django and uh, another movie that he made made a few years later called The Great Silence mm-hmm. but uh, I'm recommending Django it's much shorter it's only about an hour and a half <laughs> uh, it's much uh, more simple in terms of its story mm-hmm. it's uh, sort of a classic kind of you know action revenge type story and the the first shot of the movie is the hero Django dragging a coffin through the desert <laughs> <laughs> and if that doesn't hook you, you probably won't enjoy Spaghetti Western. Nope. Uh, but it's a really, really cool movie. Incredibly violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if that turns you off, maybe it's not for you. But a very influential movie spawned a lot of sort of unofficial knockoff sequels. Uh, but this is the original, the original Django. And that is my recommendation to you fine folks this episode. Great. Um, I'm going to recommend another movie because unless you guys get the wrong impression, Sergio Leone wasn't the only person that was trying to deconstruct the Western. There was an American who was trying to do it, too. So I'm going to recommend Sam Peckinpah's The Wild Bunch. (laughs) Yeah, baby. Now you're talking. I'm not going to give away too much if you've not seen the movie. It's basically a tale of violence and betrayal and... Aging gunfighters and robbers, and it stars uh, William Holden, Ernest Borgnine, um, Robert Ryan, uh, I have a note written down somewhere, Edwin O'Brien, Warren Oates, Jaime Sanchez, and Ben Johnson. It is uber violent. Mm-hmm. To the point which audiences were shocked, but Sam Peckinpah was like, you know what I hate about westerns? I should know. I, dre- I, I directed enough TV westerns to know they're, s- they're sanitized, people get shot, there's no bullet wound, people just fall over and die instantly. That's not how things happen. Things are violent. I'm going to push that right in your rotten, stinking faces, America. <laughs> Gunplay is awful, and here's how awful it can be. I'm going to not only kill other gunfighters, but people caught in the crossfire. Innocent people are going to get dead, too, because that's how guns work, assholes. (laughs) Peckinpah was actively trying to deconstruct the Western when he made The Wild Bunch, and it did shock a lot of people when it came out because of the, you know, the amount of violence that's in it, the amount of blood that's in it. Um, but he, but that, he was not doing it for shock value. He was not doing it for exploitation value. He was doing it for a reason. You know, remember, both of these movies came out in the mid-1960s where every night people are sitting down to watch the news where they were getting battlefield footage from Vietnam. Yeah. And 
a number of directors felt that it was disingenuous to be portraying on-screen violence as this clean, sanitary, you know, sanitary thing that happens. No one ever su- If you watch old westerns, no one ever suffers when they get a gunshot wound. They almost <laughs> yeah. instantaneously die and fall over. And there's no blood, there's no suffering, there's no nothing. And guys like Sam Peckinpah, who had been strapped into TV where it's even more sanitized on television, was like, nope, I ain't having it. (laughs) Uh, For those that don't know, Sam Peckinpah has Notorious for being difficult to work with. (laughs) (laughs) He kind of has a reputation for being uber-violent, and boy, did this movie cement that reputation. To the point in which there were jokes made about it, but um, the movie itself is fantastic. Peckinpah was one of those directors who knew how to use his camera, knew how to use his actors, even though they were suffering (laughs) in the filming of it. (laughs) Peckinpah loved him some booze, and he loved him some drugs. And uh, even though filming was difficult, what the end result was was a fantastic deconstructionist western that I feel stands right, and made around the same time, that stands right next to the good, the bad, and the ugly, Mm -hmm. um, with the exception that the wild bunches the points that that movie is trying to make are a little bit more clear <laughs> uh, you can definitely tell that there is something that they are that he is trying to say with them so that's my recommendation wild yeah Bunch. boy Go see that's it. a hell of that's a hell of a movie yeah it is, it is. i mean it, it, there are there are only a handful of westerns ever made that are like sort of credible choices for greatest movie ever regardless of genre um, and we've talked about two of them now yeah. one of them is good the band the ugly and the other one is the wild and, bunch it's just an amazing third one movie. is unforgiven which is a deconstruction of a deconstruction (laughs) because basically what what Clint Eastwood was doing was he was deconstructing the deconstructionist westerns that he started in the 1960s So he said, hey, you know what? I can deconstruct the deconstructionist westerns that I made. And then someone, I, uh, with any luck, 20 years from now, someone's going to deconstruct that one. <laughs> Pretty soon there won't be any western Pretty left. Pretty soon it'll just be two guys beating the shit out of each other in, in, in mud. Yeah, it'll and a tr- horse will walk by and you'll know it's a western. Monty Python sketch of the old ladies reenacting Pearl Harbor. <laughs> 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 it's a deconstructed western. What do you want? Yeah. Who says there has to be saloons and horses and guns and cowboys? Exactly. So, what do you guys think? Do you agree with us? Do you think The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is one of the greatest films ever made? Or do you disagree with us and you're like, you guys, are, no, it's dirty. <laughs> the vocal tracking was off because the people, the other people that weren't Americans were saying their lines in, in Spanish. They got dubbed over and I felt like I was watching a Japanese horror movie, a Japanese monster movie. I don't like movies made in the 1960s. I want my good guys to wear white hats and my black, bad guys to wear black hats. Well, there's, I'm sorry. There's plenty. There's, believe me, there's nearly 40 years of that movie. <laughs> take, take your pick. Some of them are actually pretty good, too. Go to a list of 1950s westerns and just stick a pin in one, and you've got what exactly what you're looking for. That's right. Say hi to Roy Rogers when you see him. Yeah, but if you want a movie that's a little bit... Uh, Grittier, not a little bit, a fuck ton grittier, (laughs) and a good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, that's it this time around. Hey, Steve, Mm -hmm. what are we doing for our next review? Hey, I'm glad you asked. Are you? Uh, (laughs) Because if I hadn't, I'd just end the show and we'd have no setup for the next one. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, uh, there's this new Star Trek movie coming out. What the fuck? Another one? Jesus, what is this, the the 900th Star Trek movie? The 13th one, I think? I yeah, they're, they're just... 
they're never going to stop making them. Which one's um, that one? Star Trek um, Psoriasis? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's actually, I believe it's called Star Trek Beyond. Oh, we're not reviewing that, are we? That seems no, awfully we're not, new for this show. Yeah, it hasn't quite met our standard, but no. we are going to review one of the uh, previous Star Trek movies. Oh, are we going to review yeah. one of the good ones, like The Wrath of Khan? That's one of my favorite movies ever. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. No. What? We're not. Why we're not? gonna review. <laughs> we're we're gonna review uh, probably the most notoriously awful of all of the Star Trek movies. Nemesis. And, well, okay, the second most notoriously awful of all the Star Trek movies, <laughs> and that is the one where the, the people white... don't age. That one. <laughs> yeah. With the con- I can't remember the name of that one. You mean Star Trek Insurrection? It's Star Trek Retread? Star Trek, Star Trek probably would have been a two-parter on the TV show. <laughs> Shouldn't have even been a two-parter. Yeah. Um, no, we're, we're going to do the, the William Shatner-directed oh, no. opus. Oh, yes. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. That's what we're doing next. Are you sure you want to say that out loud here on the podcast to lock us into that? <laughs> if we have changed our minds... By the time the next show comes up, you'll know why. We we got cold feet. Okay, you heard it here first. In in honor honor in honor sure. of the release of yet another Star Trek movie. We're going to review Star Trek V, the awful mistake. <laughs> <laughs> the movie that made people start to question why they were still making them back then. The movie that made st- uh, Trekkers question what the fuck they've been doing for the last 20 years with their lives. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're going to see if that one lives up to its reputation to being absolutely awful. And you know you're going to get an unbiased review, because as you both know, Steve and I would probably murder people for our love of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. We're somewhat partial to Star Trek, I think it's fair to say. Well, we're going to try to be as honest as possible, right, Steve? Mm, absolutely. We're not going to sell out our values just because we love Spock so much. No. We're not going to let that foolish, ridiculous movie get away with anything. That's right. It's not too late to say Star Trek Four. Uh, that's the Whales one, though. Yeah, that's the Whales one. Yeah. I'd even do three. Yeah, three is underrated. It's no, we're doing very five. underrated. We're doing five. In which Kirk literally kicks a person into a volcano. <laughs> yeah. How hardcore can you get? And not only does he kick anybody, he kicks Christopher Lloyd into a volcano. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> All right, I guess we'll do Star Trek V. Okay. <sighs> well, Gives you something to look forward to. Yeah, that's it. Hey, guys, <laughs> can you think of a genre or a movie that we haven't done that you think needs to be done? Just remember our stupid standards. It needs to be classic film, and it needs to be at least ten years old. Right, Steve? Yeah, those, those, them's the rules. Yeah, no new movies, and I know lots of people keep tell, tell, telling us, hey, do this movie, do that movie. But some of those movies, I hate to tell you this, and it really hurts me when I have to tell people this, they're not classic movies, guys. <laughs> they're loved, yeah. don't get me wrong, and some of them I love deeply, but they're not <laughs> technically classics. Like Dune. <laughs> <laughs> If I'm going, if we're going to do a David Lynch film, we ain't going to do Dude. No. Right? Right. We're doing The Elephant Man. No. Oh, no? Okay. No, we'll do Blue Velvet. Oh, there you go. Uh, don't get, no, we're not doing that on the next show. I'm just, I'm just using that as an example. That's just an example, hypothetically. I mean, guys, come on. One of my favorite directors of all time is Terry Gilliam, but he hasn't directed a, cl- I mean, all of, I love all of his movies, but we can never do any of them because I don't think any of them were considered a classic, with maybe the exception of Time Bandits, but all of his other 
Brothers. I guys, come on, full admission. Look. I could do three and a half hours on the adventures of Baron Munchausen. <laughs> But I can't because it's not considered a classic movie. No. It's important to have standards. Is it? <laughs> I guess. Well, look, you know eventually we're going to do this long enough that we're just going to throw that whole thing out the window and we're just going to Never! Gonna do How dare like you? <laughs> you just have to wait. You just have to wait. I'll use this as a better example. Steve and I love The Third Man. Oh, yeah. We would kill to do a five-hour podcast on The Third Man, but <laughs> oh, we're boy. not going to do it because it's not considered a classic it movie. Doesn't, it doesn't meet the standard, and that's not our fault, and that's not The Third Actually, Man's Steve, fault. Steve, it's, it's my fault. It's our terrible culture's fault. I made the standard, we, Steve. <laughs> it's, you would, it's your fault. Oh, shit, he's realizing that now. I mean, <laughs> um... <laughs> 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 okay, let's finish this up. Okay, for for late seating, this has been Jason Harding. And go see a movie this week. <laughs> and this has been Steve Shives. Put your drawers on and take your gun off. <laughs> oh, okay, give me a minute. Uh, go do it now. Right here in put, front of the camera? Yeah, put your drawers on, okay. take your gun off. Okay. It's very simple. All right, how did you know I was doing this without my drawers on? <laughs> It's just, never mind. All right. You you have a very precise routine. I knew that you wouldn't have deviated from it. You're right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. I gotta go find my gun. This show is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to contribute as little as $1 a month to help fund this podcast, please visit our website at www.lemmelistenpodcast.com and click on the Patreon logo. If you can't, or just don't wanna? No biggie. Late Seating is a Lemmy Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Music by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Jason Harding. You can find more Lemmy Listen podcasts at our website at www.lemmylistenpodcasts.com. You can also find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes under Lemmy Listen. Please like and leave a review. And thanks for listening.